Hi there, and thank you for tuning in to the following message provided by Renewed Church. We pray that this message will be a blessing and encouragement for you. For more information about our church, please visit www.renew.miami. Starting a brand new sermon in this brand new year. It's called in this series. It's called Beyond. And um, what better way I think to start the year, to start the decade, um, than with to begin with Jesus's final thoughts. Like these were Jesus's final thoughts. So so we're starting with what he left us with. And in Mark 16, he says, "Go into all the world." And preach the good news. This was his final words according to the the gospel of Mark. Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. To all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe, it says, will be condemned. Let Let me ask you this. If you haven't been baptized, why haven't you? Like if you haven't been baptized, maybe you were baptized as a baby and you didn't make that public declaration on your own. This coming month, January 26th, we're doing a baptism. I would love it. If you would consider it, we'll talk to you about it. I'd love to, to you send me an email or call me and let's talk about making that public decoration this month, the end of this month for our birthday celebration. Here's what Matthew said in, in, in how he recorded it. He said, Jesus's words, all authority in heaven and on earth, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. So Mark, Mark said it this way. He said, go into all the world. In other words, beyond their Jerusalem, which is kind of their hometown. That was their, their stomping ground. Beyond their, their Jerusalem, he said, I need you to go into all the world and preach it to all creation. That's what beyond is all about. And they were sent to do that, just like you and I are. That's the way the church was formed. And he says, teach them to obey. So beyond even believing, because sometimes we're really good at believing. Oh, I believe. I believe, well, you know what the word says, even the demons believe that and shudder. But like beyond believing, there is an obedience factor. So beyond just that, he's teaching us to obey. Belief actually leads to obedience. And then he says, and I am with you to the end. So that's beyond today. How many are thankful that he's with you to the very end? It's, it's beyond just today. I'm glad that God is with me today, but I'm even more grateful that he's already in tomorrow. Amen. Like he's already there. Whatever you've got facing you tomorrow and you're dreading it, whether it's back to work, back to school, back to whatever the project is that you have in front of you, he's already there. He is with you to the end. So why do we talk about this? I I, want to talk to you about this for the next couple of weeks because I want you to see your role in sharing the gospel in your world. I want you to see this. I want you to see the importance of this. So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about it. Why? Because there are too many people in your world and in our world that don't know Jesus. There are too many people that don't know Jesus. And, And secondly, because God has called us to make disciples, as I just read. And because, as Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers, they're few. So this will be a series over the next three weeks on the significance of knowing your role, of sharing the gospel in your world. 
Here's Luke's take on it. So basically, I've given you two takes. I've given you Matthew and Mark. Now I'm going to give you Luke's take. So, so these, are, these are, are called the gospel writers. They wrote Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are the stories of the birth through the death of Christ. And all of them kind of gave a different perspective on it. Um, but here's Luke's take on it. And so he wrote the book of Luke. Luke wrote Luke. That makes sense, right? But he also wrote another book. He wrote the book called The Acts which is all about the birth and the beginnings of the church. So after the, 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 the story of Christ and the death of Christ, then there's the beginnings of the church, which you are in today. You are part of this today. This is the Acts. This is, I've heard it said, this is Acts chapter 29. I mean, Acts is actually 28 chapters, but like we're in Acts chapter 29. We're the continuation of the story of the church. So here's what, this is the way Luke starts this book. In, Matt, in Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 1, this is what it says. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. So he's like writing this, this letter, um, and, and um, he's writing it to a specific person. This guy's name is Theophilus. I don't know who Theophilus, Theophilus was. I don't know his significance, except that I know the meaning of what Theophilus is. It's friend of God. How many of you are a friend of God? So he's writing it to you. He's writing it to you. He said, in my former book, friend of God, I've wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Okay, so, so he resurrected from the dead. He, he was crucified. Then three days later, he was, rose again. And then he spent 40 days with his followers, right? And in that time, there was one meal in particular that he said, don't, he gave him this instruction. He said, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. But wait for the gift, my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and they asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel, they asked. I want to pause at that thought for just a second. Because the disciples, even after everything they've seen, even after everything they've experienced, they still don't get it. People can be a little bit dense sometimes, just like myself. I mean, his disciples, they, they followed Jesus from the cross to uh, the grave and then beyond the grave. Like they saw everything that happened. They saw Jesus beat death and nobody else has ever beat death before. Nobody else has ever, ever uh, with all the convincing proofs and all the eyewitnesses to his resurrection but they're still thinking about this earthly kingdom. They're still talking about the fact that they're saying, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And they're talking about this temporal earthly kingdom. Let me give you a newsflash, disciples and all of you here in attendance. The kingdom of God is eternal. It's not temporary. The kingdom of God is, 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 is beyond this earth. I once heard a per pastor say this he said the church is sort of like an airport it's not the final destination yes it's the final destination on the airplane but no one I hope not no one lives at the airport you don't live at the airport it's like your hub or it's like your your connecting point to your final destination right like it's the, where you're trying to get to so you can get to your ultimate spot like you don't kick off your shoes 
unpack and celebrate at the airport. Like you might celebrate when they land the plane. You might be one of those folks that clap when they land. Are anybody like that? Anybody do that? <laughs> uh, but uh, some of you just aren't being um, honest right now. And this is church. Okay, come on. I know you. But like ultimately the celebration really, it begins when you arrive with your family at the house. When you get to Abuela's house and you get to eat some of her home cooking, right? That's, that's, that's when you've arrived. That's when the vacation really starts, right? The same is true of the church. It's not the final destination. This is like that hub. It's that sending and that receiving port. It's that place where we come to, to, to go, right? That's what we're doing even today. It ultimately gets us to where our hearts, what our hearts are longing for, and that's heaven. God's kingdom is your final destination. That's, that's where you're really trying to get to. Don't get me wrong, I'm glad when I land at the airport because I'm that much closer to grandma's house. I'm that much closer to grandma's house, but I need to get to my final destination. I want you to pray. That just reminds me as I'm writing this. I don't know why I've mentioned grandma so many times, but maybe it's because my grandmother's, um, she's 97 years old. She's, um, they just called in hospice and um, like she's, she's having a lot of complications and the doctors have finally said, listen, there's probably not a lot we can do. So I just, I, I want you to pray for my grandmother to experience, um, man, just peace in this, this point. She knows the Lord, praise God. She, um, she has a relationship with him, but still, like, I don't want her to hurt. Sorry. Uh, so pray for my grandma. Her name's out on the prayer wall. So he said to them, it's not for you to know the times, the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight. So. Sorry, I'm going to try to gain my composure back. Um, but think about that for just a minute. Think about that. Like, how do you think they felt? Like, Jesus tells them all these things. And then he says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. And then verse 9, just like that, like it says it almost like we don't even process what just happened. But Jesus just like elevated, like he was taken up before their very eyes. And then all of a sudden he was hidden behind a cloud. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that insane? Like that's what they just experienced. How do you think they felt at that moment? How do you think they, they, were, they, they were reacting to that? Were they happy about that? Yay! Exciting! Or maybe were they a little bit scared? Like, what was the emotion that was going through their mind and in their heart? Like, what would be your emotion? Man, my reaction would have been, this is way too much. But this is why we're here. This is why Jesus didn't say, all right, let's all go. Come on. And all of us elevate. All of us ascend. Right? Because there was a purpose for those followers. There was a reason why he didn't take them with them. There was still work to be done. And his disciples, they were the ones. They were going to make it happen. That's the book of Acts. That's the story of the book of Acts. The Acts are the church making it happen. 
But uh, so I want to talk to you about how you do this, like in a continuation in 2020, the, the disciples, they did it and you can read about it in Acts chapters one through 28. But I want you to see how you can do it 2000 years later. And it doesn't have to be weird. We have a role to play, but it's not just the role of the pastor, the missionary, the evangelist. We all have a part in, to play in sharing the gospel. And here's the key thought. When it comes to sharing your faith, we must be relationally relevant and spiritually connected. When it comes to, be, to sharing your faith, you must be relationally relevant and spiritually connected. Like there has to be this, this, horizont, or this horizontal connection, like this relevance with people that you interact with on a daily basis, but then there also has to be this spiritual, this vertical connection between you and God. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I want to give you one of the examples of many in the book of Acts a continuation of that. Let me, let me tell you this story about this guy. His name was Philip. All right, so here, here's Philip, and it's going to be in Acts chapter 8, but don't pull it up just yet. Um, Philip, to give you a little bit of backstory, he was chosen as one of the seven to be part of the distribution of the food. Okay, so there were these women that were being um, neglected. There was a ministry that was happening, and there were people that were missing out. And so the, the, uh, the apostles said, hey, we've got we've to designate some people to help lead this ministry. And so they appointed these seven uh, people, these seven men, to be a part of the distribution. And one of those, one of the before I, I we're having trouble with our microphones. Um, is, there a, is there a corded mic? I'm going to switch if I can. Let's see if this one's long enough. Josh, can you hear me? Thank you very much. Thank you guys for your patience with us today. Um, so there was, there was this, um, to give you a little bit of backstory, one of the seven, not talking about Philip yet, but his, this other one, his name was Stephen. He did the miracles. He did some amazing miracles. And the word says, the Bible says, no one could stand up to his wisdom or to the spirit by which he spoke. It, like he wasn't just delivering food, which was what he was appointed to do. That's what his job was, was to, to, to distribute the food, food. But he defends himself, it says, the Bible says, he gives this powerful testimony of what God did by sending his son. And, and everybody there hated it uh, because Jesus was upsetting this, this Jewish order. Like the Jewish people were like, no way, Jesus is not the Messiah. He's not the guy that came or was to come. And so because it was going to affect them, it was going to affect their power. It was going to change everything because all of a sudden they weren't people of influence still waiting on the Messiah. And they stoned Stephen. The Bible says they stoned Stephen to death. In other words, they picked up rocks and they killed him with rocks. How, uh, like, how cruel and inhumane must that have been? The Bible then continues to say the church was persecuted, scattered. And the Bible says that the church, uh, they, they preached the word wherever they went. Like people, the church that, that was spread, the church that was scattered, it, it continued to spread the word of God. So that's the first one. That's the first martyr, Stephen. And then it continues with one of the other seven, another guy, one of the, one of the other seven by the name of Philip. And he went to Samaria, it says, and he proclaimed Christ there. Crowds heard about Philip, they saw miraculous signs, and they paid close attention to what he said. It says, the Bible says, evil spirits were cast out, and paralytics and crippled people were healed. Like, this guy that was just supposed to be one of the food distributors, he was doing miracles. Like, God was using him. The Holy Spirit had fell on him, and he was doing amazing miracles. 
And there was, it says, great joy in that city. He even led this guy named uh, Simon, the sorcerer, uh, to Jesus. I mean, can you imagine leading a sorcerer? Can you imagine leading one of those Lord of, Lord of the Rings guys, Saruman, or one of those guys? Like, I'm, I'm imagining like one of those, like Harry Potter or one of those guys. He led that guy to Christ. Talk about thinking that would be a hopeless cause, but that guy came to Christ. The guy tries to buy, Simon the sorcerer, he tries to buy what Philip has. And Peter's there, and Peter's part of the, 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 the group that day, and he's like telling him, man, you're going to die, and your money's going to die with you because you can't buy this stuff. This isn't something that can be purchased. So Simon the sorcerer repents. I want to pick up from right there. So I've given you kind of a little bit of a backstory on what happened and the miracles that are happening, all the things that Philip has done. Like this is, this, this is just telling you like revival is breaking out. And here's what happens next. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road. Okay, so right after he's done miracles, right after he's done all kinds of um, uh, you know, great things, and there's great joy in the city, and uh, he even leads a sorcerer to Jesus. All of a sudden, the angel of the Lord says to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes south from Jerusalem, goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, okay? So, so he's spiritually connected, as we've talked about. Philip is spiritually connected. He's hearing the angel of the Lord speaking to him, and it says in verse 27, so he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake, okay, which is the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot. He was reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. How many of you know the, the book of Isaiah? It's the same book of Isaiah in your Bible. It's the Old Testament, but listen, that's the same one. He was reading that because the New Testament hadn't been written yet. He was reading that, and he was like, I don't even know what's going on or what I'm, what I'm reading. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stand by it. Like, how awkward must that have been for Philip? But he's just doing what the Spirit tells him to do. Philip ran up to the chariot. He heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. And he asks him, what are you reading? Do you understand what you're reading? And the man says, this Ethiopian eunuch says, how can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. And this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. I, l listen, for just a second. Like, this is prophecy from hundreds of years before, I think some 800 years before, of Christ. And for whatever reason, on this very day, on this very occasion, with the Spirit speaking, this guy's opening this book. He's not reading Time magazine or any other book. He's reading this particular passage, this particular verse, at this particular time, and it's the story of Jesus. How many of you know God, God ordains things? God appoints things. God puts things together. So this guy was reading exactly what he needed to read, but he didn't understand what he was reading. And the guy's like, Tell me, who's the prophet? Who's Isaiah talking about? Himself or someone else? Verse 35, it says, Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. 
as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of being baptized? Again, what a great opportunity. What a great plug for me to say to you. Hey, if you have not been baptized, let's make that happen. Let's make that declaration. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. And Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again. But he went on his way rejoicing. Wow. What a story. What a story of just how like God uses just average ordinary people. Like the distributor of food, the guy that wasn't really supposed to do much, has done a great and amazing thing. But to do that, to go beyond, is what my point is. To go beyond in your life, you've got to be relationally relevant and spiritually connected. You see, Philip's spiritual connection led him to the Ethiopian eunuch. Because Philip was was connected to God, because he heard the voice of God and he obeyed, he was able to do what God had called him to do. So many times, so many times I've seen that and I said, I don't know why God's leading me to do this, but I just better do it. And then afterwards, that's when I figured out, God, that's why you did that. That's why that happened. Philip's spiritual connection led him to the Ethiopian eunuch. How many, how many of you know he could have stayed right there in Samaria where all the miracles were happening, where, where Simon was, and he could have discipled Simon. He could have uh, just brought more joy into the city, but no. No, he didn't do that. Why? Because God had a plan for Philip through that Ethiopian eunuch. And how many of you know, if you're the eunuch, the, I mean, if you're the treasurer of the entire uh, like uh, budget for the, the uh, Ethiopians, Man, you got some power. You got some significance. And God was using that opportunity on that desert road to do something for one man that may lead to an entire generation or entire nation. So Philip's spiritual connection led him to the Ethiopian eunuch. His relational relevance caused him to be able to share the gospel with him and to baptize him. Like, because he was relevant, because he uh, uh, was able to, to, to stand there, to be beside him, and to tell him, here's what it is that you're reading. You know, the problem for me is that I sometimes am neither relationally relevant or spiritually connected. Man, I can sometimes get so heavily insulated in my own Christian culture. Like, we want to be around people sometimes that act like we do, that talk like we do, that vote like we do, that worship like we do. I know it's none of the people here in this room. That's none of you, but you know better than that, right? But sometimes I do that. You know better. You see the way Jesus interacted. Like, we see the way Jesus interacted with sinners and tax collectors and, and all those that are far from God. He welcomed those he engaged those that were far from God like that's what he did like the woman that was caught in sin like what did he do he engaged her he showed her the way if anything for Jesus it was the religious and and yet fake fanatic that Jesus couldn't stand to be around that was the person that he didn't want to be around so I'm encouraging you to stay relationally relevant and spiritually connected like, you don't have to be on the corner holding the bullhorn. Anybody seen the bullhorn guys? Maybe, I haven't seen them in Miami in a few years, but back growing up, I used to see the guy, the preacher, dressed up in a suit on the street corner. Like, I, I just didn't feel like he was at all relevant. Like, and, and he had this, like, three-line sermon that he would yell from the corner. 
that usually had something to do with hell and fire and, uh, and, and stuff like that, right? And, I, and I'm not trying to be like critical, overly critical, but like I just encourage you to, if you don't want to be that guy in the corner, if God calls you to do something like that, let's talk about it and let's figure out what it looks like in this day and age. But let, let me just say this, you don't have to do that. But you do need to figure out how to minister to and witness to and fulfill the commission that God called you to and me to, to make disciples, to go beyond, as we've been talking about. You don't have to be on the corner holding the bullhorn. You don't have to be seminary trained. You don't have to be the guy that knows everything there is to know about everything in the Bible. You don't have to do those things. What you have to do is you have to be willing and you have to be relevant. You see, there was a guy in our homeless outreach yesterday i think if i'm if i'm right like it was only his second time to attend an event but he and his wife wife and they've asked not to be named so i'm not going to do that i'm going to honor them but they collected some like uh, 20 bags of clothes from some people through our church and and then they asked even within their community they collected some people from friends of theirs and stuff was flying off the table we did homeless ministry every first saturday of the month we go out and we we uh, serve the homeless and so we had these clothes set out on the table and people were coming up from everywhere and just like taking shirts and taking pants and taking shoes we must have gave away um I, I think some 30 to 40 pairs of shoes Towards the end of our time there and towards the end of the event with, with the clothing giveaway, at least that part of the event, a man had came up late and he said, do you have a pair of shoes in my size? And we were all out. We didn't, we didn't have anything. I think we had like one pair of heels and it was like, that's not going to do anybody any good uh, when you're homeless. But um, this man from your church, from our church, from Renew Church, he looked down, he, he saw the man and, and, and then he looked down and he said, Man, we're all out of shoes, but let me do this. And in, in less than like seven seconds, he unlaces his shoes, pops his shoes off, takes his socks off, and he gives this homeless man his shoes. That deserves a clap. Can we do that? I mean, I've heard stories of that, but I've never seen that. I've heard people talk about people that have done that, but... I left my shoes on. But at that, I, I don't think I'll ever forget it. And I want to thank that man for being relationally relevant and spiritually attentive. Like he saw the need and he saw the man that was there and, and, and God said to him, go do that. So he did it. Isn't that amazing? That's, that's practical application for my, my sermon today. Because this whole faith thing, it's not clean. This whole serving thing, it's not easy. It can get a little bit messy. Why? Because people are messy. Not just homeless people. I'm messy. Like all of us, to some extent. But Jesus calls us to do this, to love people to the point that we would be willing to get a little bit messy, to, to be willing to give up a meal for them, to give them the shoes off our feet, to love them the way that Jesus loved them. I'm going to invite Akeem to come back up. And, and uh, as we kind of uh, uh, close this sermon out, I want to I give you just a few applications for this message this morning about being relationally relevant 
and spiritually connected. First thing is, is if you aren't spiritually connected, like, let me ask you this question. Do you know Jesus? If not, today is the day of salvation. Today, this is your opportunity to do that, to make it right, to give your life, your whole life over to him and to let him be your Lord and Savior. We talk all the time about repenting of of sins. Well, what does actually repenting mean? It means turning from our way, turning from my life, turning from my choices, turning from my decisions, and turning. Repenting means turn like a U-turn, 180 degrees, and turning towards Jesus. If you've never done that, then today would be an amazing and a great opportunity to do that. Do you have to clean up first? No. Remember what I said? This is sometimes a little bit messy. Just come to God and let God do what he wants to do in you and through you. Like come just as you are, no matter what. The second thing, and and, and let me mention again, baptism, January the 26th. I know I've said it a few times, but I want to encourage some people that I feel like have been kind of putting it off Going public, making a public declaration is the best thing you could do. It, it, it seals it, it locks it in, it, it, it commits it to God that, hey, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Second thing is, is to get spiritually connected. A couple things that you could do in this is, is, first of all, on your way in, maybe you saw that prayer wall with Sharpie markers attached. I, I, I want you to, on your way out, I want you to, this is an opportunity for you to pray for the people in your life that need it. And instead of you carrying that weight by yourself, you put it on the wall, you put it on the board out there and, and, and let us pray together, especially during these 21 days. Let's pray together for those people in our life that are hurting, those people that are hungry, those people that are helpless those people that need Jesus, especially those people that need Jesus. For me, I listed a neighbor. And honestly, I didn't put their names. I just said, pray for my neighbor. But God knows what that means, and you can write that. Whatever that is, but put that person on the wall. Whatever it is, maybe it's a health need. I put my grandmother on that wall today. But that way we can pray for each other. I'm going to take that wall home and we're going to be praying together for that, our church and and on those prayer services, we're going to do that. Third thing is is to join us for the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Leading up to our birthday on January the 26th, I would love it if you would join us. It starts today, January 5th through the 25th. And on your, uh, on your seat, there was a form that talks a little bit about the prayer, uh, you know, the highlights of each day and how to pray and what to pray for and ways to fast. There's multiple different ways that you can fast. It doesn't have to be a, a total fast. doesn't have to be complete food fast, but maybe it's a meal a day or a few meals a week or a certain type of food. But join us in this time of prayer and fasting to get spiritually connected. Man, what greater way than to uh, deny your body, deny the physical of, of the nourishment that sometimes it hungers after so that you can then desire for God more and say, God, as I fast, honor my fast. Help me, God, and provide for me and take care of these needs that I am lifting before you. Join us for prayer and fasting. There, every, every morning during this, every weekday morning during this, this 21 days, I'm going to be leading a, a, a live prayer on Facebook at 6 a.m. That's super early. 
Um, I know, but we're trying to help people that wouldn't be able to do it otherwise. And I would love it if you would join me on Facebook uh, at Renew Miami, 6 a.m. And it'll be 10 or 15 minutes just on live, uh, Facebook Live. And uh, pray with me for these needs and the things that we have going on every weekday morning. The third opportunity is, is the prayer services at our office location the next three Thursday nights from 8 to 9 p.m. I'd love for you to come to that. I'd love for you to be a part of that. We'll have live worship during it, and we're just going to pray together. The address is there on the announcement card. So be spiritually connected, and finally, be relationally relevant. Be relationally relevant. Go to the chariot. Go to the chariot. When God calls you to do it, go to the chariot. Find out what they're talking about and point to Jesus. Like whatever it is that they were talking about. Like for the eunuch, he was talking about Isaiah 53. That wasn't a coincidence. God knew exactly what he was going to be reading before Philip sent him there. That's the way that happens because God's ordaining things. He's putting things together. So go to the chariot in your life, the person in your life that he sends you to. It might look a little different in 2020 than it did in 8034. That chariot might be a car. It might be down the aisle of a grocery store. It might be at a, at a sporting event or, or playing with some people on the street. It might be in a profession or a job. It might be through a hobby. It might be on social media. But go to the chariot and stand near it. You understand what I'm saying? Everybody, it, you, 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 you tracking with me. Whatever God is calling you to do, be spiritually connected to say, Okay, God, who is it that you want me to speak to today? I have a note in my phone. I'm a list maker. I'm this type of guy. That's what I do. And on my, my phone every day, it's it lead me to somebody that I can point to Jesus and I can invite to a new church. Does it happen every day? No, but it's in my phone every day. Every day I have these little invite cards on my, in my back pocket so that anytime somebody comes up to me and we have a conversation, if the conversation starts leaning, even just barely leaning towards an opportunity to tell them about Jesus in the church, I'm like, hey, by the way, I just happen to have one of these in my pocket, right? Like be there and be ready and be obedient to it. And finally, um, I think I've mentioned it about 700 times, but our birthday's on January the 26th. Have I mentioned that enough? <laughs> and we're believing God for a great event. We're believing God for a great thing. And so even on your way out this morning, in addition to the little invite cards that we always have, we have these um, talking about our, our January series, I mean, our, our New Year series, our, our next month series, I guess. It's called Stress Less. And then on the back, it talks about all the events that are happening. And, and they're bundled so that you can take a stack of six or seven of them and that you can tell somebody about it. So that while you're praying for the people that are on the prayer wall, you can also say, God, give me an opportunity to take one of these and hand it to my neighbor, to my coworker, to my parents, to whoever it is, just to be able to be obedient, to be relevant, and to be spiritually connected. We're going to pray together. Our musicians are going to come back, and um, we're going to just sing a closing song this morning, just preparing our hearts for what God wants to do in you and through you. Would you stand with me this morning? I don't know where you're at this morning in your walk with the Lord. I don't know what this message is saying to you. Like, it's easy for us to say that's somebody else's job. It's easy for us to say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not like that or I'm introverted. But then why did Jesus like, why are you here then? 
Why did God call you here? Or like, there's a reason why he didn't take all those disciples with him at that time. And there's a reason why the Great Commission is the Great Commission. And he said, this is what you are to do. Like, every one of us have a role to play in this. Again, you don't have to be in the corner. You don't have to be holding the bullhorn. But God can use you even within your personality to be evangelistic. But you got to be relationally relevant and spiritually connected. Pray with me, would you? Bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. God, I thank you for everything that you do, God. And I thank you for the opportunity that I have to talk about what it takes to go beyond. Uh, beyond my home, beyond my comforts and my four walls, beyond the comforts of my church family, oh God, and just to be bold in my faith. God, I thank you for the example of Philip and so many others, God, in the word that, that, that we're willing to do whatever it takes to point to Christ. Pray that you'd help us. Help us to be practical. Help us to be re- relevant. Help us to be connected. God, speak to us. Show us even now as we start thinking about who we're going to write on the wall. God, show these your people who it is that you need to put on the wall, who they need to write on the board on their way out. Don't let them just say, oh, that's for somebody else. God, help them to take that so seriously. And God, help us to personally this uh, desire to draw closer to you, to seek after you, to hunger and thirst after you. God, do a great thing in us. And God, even for the one maybe that hasn't declared you as Lord and Savior, God, and that needs to, Jesus, help them to make that decision today, to make that declaration today, to let you be Lord of their life, to come in, forgive them of their sins, asking asking you to forgive them of their sins and being Lord and Savior. God, we thank you. We thank you for what you're doing, what you're going to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Let's, let's all stand. We're going to sing this closing song together.
He's a way maker, amen? He's a way maker, amen? Praise be to God. Man, he wants to make a way in hearts and lives. Man, there's all kinds of specialists in the world. There's people, everybody specializes in something, right? Like everybody has something that, it's like their niche. It's their passion, it's their desire. Even in the Christian culture, like there's the people that are like, they're passionate about the different things, right? There's the, the people that are passionate about worship. And I love worship, I'm all about it, like I love it. And they're holding the banner for worship and saying, we gotta bring the worship, amen? That's good, right? You should clap, come on, clap for worship. We love you guys, thank you. Then there's people that are raising the banner, they're clapping, they're cheering, they're saying, we gotta do the small groups. Small groups are where it's at, right, Sandy Abbott? We gotta make small groups happen. Not a lot of y'all are clapping. Come on, clap for small groups. Here, why? Because it takes us out of these rows and intimate circles to help each other and encourage people. People are carrying the banner. There's specialists for the small groups. There's people that are passionate about the kids' ministry. There are people about that, that know that Jesus loved the little children, so they're raising the banner for the little kids. How many of you are excited about that? Clap for that, right? Some of y'all are passionate about the word. Uh, like, I want, I want more and more of this, Pastor. I want this, and I want it as much as I can. You're passionate about it, amen? Yeah, you can clap. Come on, wake up, man. Wake up with me. You're passionate about it. Everybody's got a banner. Everybody's got to specialize. Like, this is my niche. This is what I love. But I want to ask you something. Who's holding the banner for the lost people? Who's waving the banner for the lost people? Why? Because they don't wave their own banners. They don't hold their own thing. They don't cheer for themselves. Save me, save me. No, they're out there. They're out there and they're by themselves and you gotta wave that banner. I'm glad you love this and that and that and all those things, but you gotta wave the banner for the lost people. Why? Because that's how we started this message. Because Jesus commissioned it. Before he ascended into heaven, he said, you go beyond your community, beyond your home, beyond your walls, and make disciples and teach them to obey everything I've commanded. You gotta wave the banner, guys. All of us, it's our role, it's our job. We gotta do our part. Praise be to God, thank you so much for being here. Mikey, close us out, give us the, the final word. And thank you, Pastor Trevor, for bringing that word this morning. Give it up for him. Amen, 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 amen. And now, guys, this is the part of our service where we continue to worship God through the giving of tithes and offerings. And I just want to thank you guys all once again for being here this morning and experiencing this fellowship with us and being able to, to uh, praise God and worship God. So let's pray over the offering. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this place, God. We thank you for the lives here, Lord. We thank you, God, for the appointments that you set up today, God. Lord, we pray that as we leave this place, God, that you help us, Father, to, to share the good news, Lord, with the people in our lives, Lord. God, I pray that you bless this offering this morning, Lord, and the families, Lord, who are giving to you, Father. Lord, we know that we cannot give you, Father. We just pray for blessings over these families, Lord, blessings over this church, Lord, and blessings over this community, God. It's in Jesus' name that we all pray. Amen. Thank you so much. You are now dismissed. I was buried beneath 
shame Who could carry that kind of weight It was my tool Till I met you I was breathing but not alive It was my tomb Till I met you You called my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness Into your glorious day You called my name Glorious day. Now your mercy has saved my soul. Now your freedom is all that I know. The old made new. Jesus, when I met you, you called my name, and I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness, into your glorious day, you called my name, and I ran out of that darkness into your glorious day.